Can I say everything? Is that is that is that is that too broad of a subject? No. I listen. I like listen. I I will tell you. And you know what? Uh, nobody was more heartbroken than me when I when I was relieved of my duties or not my my contract not um, renewed. I loved San Jose. A huge part of my life is either a coach or, or broadcaster with the San Jose Sharks. I loved everything about San Jose. I still do. Um, I, I still go back and I get I get greetings by fans that are just it's so heartwarming and so nice that they that they still think of me like they do or else they're bsing me and I, but that doesn't matter i'll take that anyway they'll bs me i don't know you know maybe they're just being nice to me feel sorry for me walking across the street all sad and mopey and look like i'm living in minus 60 degree weather every day which i am um when <laughs> there's just everything about it. there's the people that work in in the organization and this is not i know it sounds cliche but it's not they're family to me i genuinely love these people uh, there's there's so many people in there that i would do anything for and you know there's there's people that work in that office that i've been around since i was i was gonna say since i had hair but that's a bullshit flyers you guys know <laughs> since i was in my still in my 20s you know i was 29 years old when i got to san jose and they're still there and, and i grew you know i got i developed into a kind of mature uh, adult with these people there's so many people who i walk in and it's just it's like i'm home again I've got my family, of course, but the, I talked to Doug Wilson when I was last time we were there, and Doug and I were sitting talking, and, and we were just talking about the people in the organization, and, he, and we're trying, you know, trying to narrow it down. He said, "Well, because we're family." He said, you know, even if you're not with your family, you're apart from your family, you're still family. And I thought it was it was the right way to put it. So there's so many parts about it, but also, and, and I know this this is going to sound oh, pandering, like I'm a WWE wrestler and go, "What's up, Cleveland?" But um, <laughs> The fans were so great. I don't know if you know this, but you can go and Google, you can search it out. My kids love to do it um, because they think it's the funniest thing in the world. Edmonton fans hate me, like hate me. Um, Sharks fans, not so much. The Sharks fans are so good to me all the time. And I love being, just walking through the crowd at the end of the game and talking to Sharks fans. I like being, you know, walking in the, in the Westgate Mall and, and having Sharks fans stop me and talk to me. I I think Sharks fans are fantastic. They get the game. They love the team. They love the people associated with the team. They don't want you to BS them, as we talked about. They want to hear the truth. And I thought that Sharks fans and, and I had a, a great relationship with them. We, we kind of understood each other. We got each other. And, you know, I know I'm going on and on. But California and San Jose and the Bay Area is a great place to live. But it's, the reason it's a great place to live is because there's so many great people. I always have this argument with people about, you know, Canadians are so nice. And I always go, yeah, yeah well, you know, I, I, I always have. I said, you know, go live in California for a while. Go live into the Bay Area and talk to me how great the people are there. We've got such great friends there still. But I, I look at the, the Bay Area as, as my second home. I loved it there. I, I love it there still when I come back to visit. It's it's one of those things though. It makes me sad and and happy at the same time when you come back because I'm not there anymore, but I get to come back there. So it's kind of bittersweet, but it's to me it's it was the the best part of my life uh, professionally. This is the way that broadcasting is going, and if you look at broadcasters throughout the National Hockey League, and this is being sent down from network, it's also being sent down from team ownership. They want you to preach, uh, not preach, they want you to build the brand, promote the brand. I, I get that now. You know, I, 
Here, my, here's what happened. If, if you want my breakdown about what happened in San Jose with me, I can give you that. Okay. I started talking like a coach. Like I was a broadcaster, but I kept talking like a coach. I spent a lot of time with Todd I, and Todd and the coaches let me watch a video with them all the time. It was great for me as getting insight. And it was back for me, like my first love being coaching. And I watched, watched game, game after game with Todd and the coaches. And, you know, you start breaking down the game. When you start doing that, you start getting a little negative because the game, as Jeff Norton used to say, when I was assistant coach, the great Jeff Norton, I would come down every period of assistant coach and I'd walk in the dressing room and Jeff Norton would say the same thing. Hey, Drew. And I go, yeah, it's pretty friggin' easy from up there, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> say that to me all the time. Every game. We ever used to laugh at this. But when you start watching from up where I was watching, when you start watching the video, it's pretty friggin' easy from up there. So as the more I watched the video and the more I was around the coaches, the more I started to sound and talk like the coach, which is fine and dandy as far as how right you are. It's fine and dandy for how honest you are. But as Greg Jameson once told me, yeah, but reading right doesn't make you bulletproof. And he's right. It doesn't. And I would understand if I'm an owner that's got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars tied up in this thing. And I'm, I'm getting, and I'm, I've got my team being broadcast with my broadcasters. Why does this guy keep criticizing my team all the time? Why does he keep knocking my team down? Now, for me, I looked at it as I wasn't knocking the team down. I was just being honest. But there's a way you can be honest without kicking somebody in the rear end all the time. So I think I started sounding less like a broadcaster and more like a coach. Now, if you, if you transfer that across the National Hockey League now with broadcasters, what you see is less and less analysis, more and more pumping up the tires. And there are, I think, some few of us analysts still left. A few of us. There's not very many, but there's a few of us. Even though it's Sportsnet. Now, I work for a network. I don't work for the Oilers, but I broadcast the Oilers games, but I work for Sportsnet. Even they want to say, hey, you need to be positive, guys. We're a partnership here with the Oilers, so you need to be more positive. Instead of, instead of you know, jumping on them every time they make a mistake or when a goal is scored or whatever, the game, they lose the game, you've got to start, it, start to accentuate the positive. And so we did that this year a little bit more, and, and it was a tough year to do it, but we did it, and I thought we did it successfully without completely selling our souls. But I think you have to every once in a while. Brian Hayward and I were talking about it with uh, last time we were in Anaheim. Every once in a while, you gotta you gotta kind of sell your soul a little bit and and show the the reasons why things are good uh, versus the things that are bad. Because most people are cheering for the team that you're broadcasting, right? And you you have to kind of if you can find a way, if you can find that balance to be honest yet positive in the tone. Kevin, I'll tell you a story where, you know, it's minus 40 degrees and we're walking, Kevin Quinn, my broadcast partner and I, we live close together. We live right downtown. My, my apartment in Edmonton is literally a block away from my, the longest part of my journey to the rink is the elevator ride down from my apartment. So that's, that's, it's great. Kevin's a couple blocks farther down the street and we always walk out together after the game and we're walking down 104th street where the bar, a couple of the bars are. People are walking towards us and, uh, and I've always got the same line when somebody tells me how much I suck. I, I we're walking along. I've got a, I've got a toucan. I got my jacket up, my scarf on, because it's cold. And some guy yells. Some guy's walking away and he goes, "Remenda, you suck." And I said, I always say the same thing. I go, "Thanks for watching." And I keep walking. And, and, and he goes, "No, man, you make me want to hurt myself." And I went, "No, 
don't let me stop you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another story about how much, how much I suck. Um, <laughs> so the, the one year I went to hockey night, right? Okay. Right. The one night, one year I went to hockey. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, you went yeah. to hockey night. Okay. Okay. So Marty, Marty came in for me. We're doing the, we're doing the playoffs. Don Whitman, the late great Don Whitman and me, uh, doing the Calgary Detroit series. And game six in Calgary goes to overtime. Now in, in, in Calgary, they don't have a uh, bathroom in their press box. It's just up overhead. And so you have to run to the public bathroom. So we're going in now, we're going into double overtime. So I run into the bathroom. And I don't know if you guys, you're in the bathroom, right? Public bathroom, and you're, you're there and you're doing your thing. Do you ever get that feeling when somebody's just like staring at you? He's like, he wasn't right beside me, but there's somebody, you know, when somebody's staring at you, right? <laughs> okay. 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 When you're so, in a vulnerable position, probably. You're exactly. <laughs> so do my thing, wash my hands. And this guy keeps staring at me, keeps staring at me. And you know, he's hammered, like totally oh. Labatt blue right up to the brain. Right. So I wash my hands. We'll start to walk away. And he just staggers over me. Cause I want to tell you something. I can tell you something. I went, okay, go ahead, Ben. I said, but I got to get back. He goes, no, 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 no. Listen to me. I went, okay, dude, fire away. Just, you are, without a doubt, I'm thinking, here comes a great compliment. <laughs> right? Something off. I was ready to go off. Thanks very much, pal. Appreciate it. You are, without a doubt, the worst broadcaster Hockey Night in Canada has ever hired. <laughs> I went, wow, that's a long list, dude. And he went, I'm telling you right now, the worst. I went as my usual line. I said, "Well, okay. Well, thanks for watching." You know, what he said, "Oh, you're welcome." <laughs> <laughs> but my funniest Daryl Sutter one was when I, when I was with San Jose, and uh, I did about four games on NBC, four in a row. It was, but it, they were all LA games: LA versus Colorado, LA versus Minnesota. And the last game I did was LA versus. San Jose in San Jose. Randy's upstairs. I'm downstairs. I didn't do, so you know that downstairs guy's got to interview the coaches, right? Mm-hmm. But so the, the first break is Todd. The second break is Daryl. So I go second period and I, I go out, and that's the day that Drew Doughty. That was the game Drew Doughty got hurt in the first period. So I get over there, and Daryl looks at me, and Daryl's. I love Daryl, and, he, and he's been nothing but kind to me and my family and my my, my boys especially. <laughs> Daryl looks at me. And I can tell he's just seen enough of me because I did like four games of his in like eight days, eight, nine days. So he's, he's had it with me. So I get up and he looks at me and he goes, are you kidding me? And I went, sorry, sorry, big D. And he goes, what? Okay, let's go. Where? And I said, over there. Let's report to the camera. It's fine. Go. So I said, Gerald, Drew Dowdy out for, and hasn't come back. Who gets all those minutes? Who eats up those minutes? He looks at me and goes, five guys. Excuse me? And he goes, five guys. There were six. Now there's five. Five guys. And that's and, the and way it was. Matt, <laughs> Matt Green Matt Green's in front of me. And he's I can I look down and Matt Green is dying laughing. And I look at Daryl and he you know Daryl, stone face, right? <laughs> so I'm trying hard as I can not to burst out laughing because I know he's ticked at it. So I, I but I gotta ask another question. So I said I said to him in the first period, I'm beside the bench, Daryl. I'm listening to you. You're talking to your guys about pace, pace, pace. How do you like your team's pace? It's fine. Okay, thanks, Big D. You're the best. And I give him a pat in the ass. <laughs> and they walk over. Oh, 
and I jump, you know, because I in in, that, in San Jose, you got to go on back on the side, go on the ice, and I jump over to the shark side, and I'm laughing, like tears in my eyes, laughing. And Larry Robinson looks at me and goes, "What?" And I said, "Watch the tape." And so he goes, they go in, the coaches go in between the periods, the San Jose Sharks coaches, and Brett Heinrich, the great video guy now with, uh, video coach now with Colorado, he's got it already queued up for him because he's dying, he's howling. And, and they play the tape. So as the coaches are coming out for the third period, I'm standing by there, and each one of them listening goes, five guys. <laughs> five guys. <laughs> he may have invented the burger chain. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Dwayne Sutter saw me a couple games later, Dwayne's, you know, Daryl's brother on the road, and he grabs me around the back of the neck, which all the Southern men do, they grab right in the back of the neck, and he goes, that was the funniest <laughs> interview I've ever seen. <laughs> that is great. Still five guys. Five guys. There were six, now there's five. <laughs> Can't hit the nail any harder than that. <laughs> no, no. Like, how stupid was I? Now, people may not know this, and I'll go back. And if I fudge the story a little bit, it's not on purpose. But from my recollection is, after Joe's rookie year, he goes in and sits with Ron Wilson on the exit interviews. And Ron Wilson says to him, Joe, you're my 13th guy. You're my 13th forward. And, and if you don't start improving in your game in these areas, and he gave me areas, then you're not going to be long for the NHL. And a lot of guys would take that and be hurt and be kicked off and be mad about that. What did Joe Pavelski do? Went, okay. And then he worked on it. And Joe Pavelski, every single day I was in San Jose, every single day, come out early and start and work on his shot. He'd come out early and, and, and work on deflections. He'd stand and stay late in practice. And is there anybody better in standing in front of that and knocking down pucks than that guy? And he kept working and working. He, then, then Todd and Jay Woodcroft and, the, and that group got there. And Jay started going out with, with Joe Pavelski. And they kept working and working and working. And then all of a sudden, Patty Marlowe would go, huh, maybe I should go out there too. And then Joe Thornton would go out there. Then Logan Couture would go out there. And it became Jay's shooting club. All because Joe Pavelski was the guy who wanted to work on his craft and improve his game every single day he could. He is what I call a self-made superstar. And he's the guy that has, as Jay Woodcraft said, and I love the term, championship habits. That's why Pavelski is Pavelski. That's why he comes up in the big moments, because like a golfer, and he's an excellent one, he's worked on it 10,000 times. And I think it's Bruce, Bruce Lee is my childhood hero. And Bruce Lee said once, I don't fear the man who's practiced 10,000 kicks one time. I fear the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. That's Joe Pavelski. The one thing I did take away from that is Joe Thornton was yeah. in a shooting club? <laughs> yes, yes. He came out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, does it. Come on, just win the game. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ray. <laughs> Still that one there. <laughs> you want to know the story about that one? Absolutely. The story about that one is... is you know, we're listening, you know, and we've got our, we're, we're waiting to come on camera and Ray and Brett Hedekin and uh, Brody are back in the studio and Ray's going off. And that game was against Arizona and the Sharks had played extremely well. Outchanced Arizona, 
Um, they had a chance from 16 to 2 in the in the first period. I remember that game like it was yesterday. And they outplayed them, but they just couldn't put the puck in there. And then Ray doing Ray. And I love I, I love Ray Ratto. Ray Ratto is one of my favorite people in the world. So Ray is going off. And in my ear, Frank Alban is our producer, and he can see me getting mad. Like he's looking at me, you know, on the monitor down the truck, and he sees me seething. I am getting pissed. I'm getting pissed off because I'm thinking to myself, what freaking game are you watching? And I'm getting, I'm getting mad. And, and this, this, by the way, this is for anybody out there who never thought that I ever stuck up for the show. <laughs> so, so Frank Alvin in my ear goes, go after him. And I looked at Randy and I went, I just pointed to myself and went, give it to me right away. Give it to me. And the problem is, if you go back and listen to that, I make no sense whatsoever. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad at Ray. <laughs> but I, I think, I, you know, I think I like to say was I, was, I sounded like uh, a Jim Mora playoffs. <laughs> win the game, win the game. What do you think you're trying to do, Ray? What do you think you're trying to do? Just, instead of being smart and going and being calm, I should have said, Ray, they outchanced them 16-2 in the first period. They had total chances, and I should have done all that stuff. Instead, no, I, I was so mad at Ray. And after, uh, I get on the bus, and we're, and we're driving my phone rings. And it's Ray. <laughs> and this is, this is, and this is, this is typical Ray Ratto. He goes, how you doing, sweetheart? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm fine, dear. How are you? And I said, hey, man, I'm sorry. And he goes, what are you sorry about? That was fantastic. Don't worry about it. That was super. He goes, that's fun stuff. And then the next year, like game one in Vancouver, Ray and Brett Hedder coming back in the studio again, and the Sharks play a really good game against Vancouver and win the game, and Ray called it a uh, uh, ski mask job because he thought that the Sharks stole the game. <laughs> and Randy looks at me and goes, calm down. I went, uh-uh, let's go. <laughs> and I start off that conversation with this. Uh, listen, I don't want to get an argument over here, but <laughs> I yelled at Ray and Brett had a <laughs> Ray is Ray. I mean, I used to have, it was, and it was always the same thing after. Hey, sweetheart. Hello, dear. How are you? I just, he just, he never, ever took stuff personally. He knew it was all for entertainment. He knows it's all for, for the fans enjoy a good debate back and forth. And, uh, nothing but love and admiration and respect for Ray Rado. Joe Thornton recently played his 1500th NHL game, scored his 400th goal. Do you have a favorite story of Thornton that you can share with us? I've got a lot with Joe. I'll give you, I'll give you this one because this shows you the type of person Joe Thornton is. Uh, a friend of mine has got a team that is playing in a tournament and they are playing in a, a, a t- on a team, kids playing on a team, and they are trying to raise some money. So they asked me to get a Joe Thornton jersey signed. So I go get the jersey and I walk up to Jumbo and I say, hey, can you do this for me? Which, which he always did. He goes, yeah, no problem. Who's this for? I said, I'm selling it on eBay. <laughs> he goes, yeah, right. <laughs> and I said, no, it's their so-and-so. They're, they're trying to raise some money and, and this is what uh, they want to auction this off. And he goes, how much money do you think they'll get for it? I said, well, I don't know. Probably about, hopefully about, they're hoping for about $1,000. He goes, oh. Signs the jersey, goes, hold on. Walks away. Comes back, hands me a thousand dollars. Said, "Give this to him for me." Wow. 
That's Joe Thornton. That's amazing. So, yeah, that's Joe Thornton. All right. So f- that's, that's that's my that's one of my that's my favorite story about Joe. So, but going back to you know talking about like what I was like after games, I, but that's what I was like as a coach too. That's why I lost. That's why part of the coaching staff lost a hundred games quicker than they did in the history of the league. So that's why you think I'm a why you think I'm a friggin' broadcaster now. I won't. I won't say the circumstances, but on a road game, I once witnessed Drew attempting to walk home or walk back to the hotel from the rink. Again, I'm. I'm not going to say what got him heated, but we were like, Drew, come on, get in the car. Nope, I'm walking. Playoff game. After a playoff game, that that the Sharks won. That the Sharks won. The Sharks won the series. Okay, I'm just, man, just. I don't want to get into all the details. I'm just saying it happened. It's okay. Sharks won. Sharks won the series. I was so friggin' mad after that broadcast that I I walked back to the hotel. I, I got a cab, baby. But here, let me just let me just state something right now. This is, and, and I'm I'm telling you this because you're bringing up walking from the rink. I have now, I have now walked to every rink in the National Hockey League from every team hotel. Wow. The last two, the last two were. Ottawa, which is about six and a half miles from where you stay in Ottawa. Yeah. And Carolina, which is my, I just did it this month ago. Carolina is about uh, 12 kilometers, so about six miles. Um, oh, kilometers. What's that? Sorry. Well, it's whatever, it's what everybody else in the world uses except you guys. So, so I walked to every rink in the National Hockey League from the team hotel. That's my claim to fame. Um, and the Bruno Mollies through the Northwoods of Carolina. They were kind of my dogs were barking by then. I'll just say that Bruno Mal. He had to drop the the brand of shoe. That's his favorite. <laughs> I mean, how how hard do you have to pine for a sponsorship? I'm curious. Like, do you think they're going to hear this or what? How, what are we doing here? <laughs> will you will you tag Drew with his handle? Which I don't even. Is it uh, at Drew Remenda? What? There's no. I don't have. I'm not on social media. You're, you know you're wait. You're off. You've been on and off twice. I've been on once because I lost a bet to Jeff Merrick, and he didn't say how long I had to stay on, so I was on for that real brief time, and that's it. I've never been on again. Somebody else has been using my my name and my my likeness. Your likeness. Why you'd, oh man. Why you'd want to? Why you'd want to be me? I've got no idea. Seriously. I, 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 no kidding, right? <laughs> I, honestly, where were we? Where were we this year? And I walked into the rink, and I, I didn't have my, I didn't have my, my NHL ID. And I said to the, said to the girl, I said, I'm Drew Amanda with Sportsnet, but I don't have my ID. And I said, I got my, my driver's license. And she looked up at me, and as sweet as could be, but as direct as could be, and she looked at me and goes, honey, who claimed to be you? <laughs> and I went, well, one, that's a really good point. Two, thank you, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, when when would you have time to be on social media? You're too busy ironing everything for Christ's sakes. Exactly, exactly. You do it, mate. You do it, mate, and get it all done. Yeah, but we'll hashtag it. You know, Turtleneck ninety nine. We're fine. Turtleneck ninety nine. There you go. But then, but then here's here's what. Okay, you wear the turtleneck twice. People go crazy. Um, and then the next the next night against Dallas, I'm wearing white pin collar shirt. By the way, pin collar. Brody got to go pin collar, man. It's so nice. I'll try um, that. I'll try it. And then, and then uh, Tommy Holy is there, and Tommy Holy looks up at me and goes, "Man, see, guy ninety nine." I said, "Yeah." I said, "You never lose it." There's kind of a mental edge that Las Vegas is going to think they have, whether they have it or not. They're going to come in with that, that swag. That here's a new one for you, Drew. That drip. 
they think they have. <laughs> What's um, that? Yeah, it's, it's that's a weird flex, bro. Oh, that's another good one. We'll, we'll, we'll school you up. I know. I know stuff takes a while to get up to Canada, but uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm fifty-six, man. I'm fifty-six. <laughs> the best story about Kansas City: the late great Vasily Tikhonov, who I loved, loved him. Vasily and I coached in San Jose, and we coached together in Kansas City. We're in Milwaukee, and you can ask Mikey Aldrich equipment manager, the best equipment manager in the universe uh, with the San Jose Sharks. You can ask him because Mikey was there. We're in Milwaukee, and they are taking it to us in every aspect of the game. And after the second period, we're in the dressing room, and Vasily has... Every once in a while, Vasily would, would go Russian. Okay? Every once in a while. And he goes full Russian. Whoa. And he is sick and, tire, sick and tired of what's happened with our team and the way that we've been brutalized. Refs, team, awful. Vasily comes in and goes, that's it. I want freaking blood. I want ambulance. I want fights. I want, and he's just going off. And I am, Mike Aldrich and I, I am standing in a doorway, and Mike Aldrich is standing by the team showers. He steps into the team showers because he is dying now, dying. And I'm, now we make an eye contact, and I, and a bunch of guys, the guys are all biting their towels or biting their jerseys because they're laughing so much. Okay. And he's going on and on. I want a freaking ambulance. And I want, and he's going on and on and on. And he has gone now full brush. Gone. He's lost it. Okay. And it goes on for a good, good amount of time. And it was the funniest and most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life <laughs> in a professional hockey dressing room. <laughs> and we go out. First shift, Kenny Hammond, who was an engineer, he didn't play hockey just because he liked it. He played for the Sharks. He was an original Shark. He takes somebody out, and then he gets booted out of the game. He skates off the ice and goes, Silly, there's your ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he did his job. He's not. He won't get yelled at after the game. He tried. No, it was awesome. It was awesome. I want freaking blood. Yeah, the best. I think the players and the, and the team wants you to be honest. It's the story no, of the don't. season. No, that's, no, they don't. No, no that's, that's absolutely not true. But I'll, I'll say this about the journalism thing. Okay? Yeah. This is the, my favorite line about journalism. I was told this by Kevin Compton, former owner of the San Jose Sharks, and he won't mind me telling the story. We were having this argument, this basically the same discussion, and it became an argument because you know what I was like. I always thought honesty was the best policy, and I always thought you had to be intellectually honest. And My line was, how can I honestly praise the team or how can I praise the team with any credibility if I don't critique them honestly? And he said to me this, you bring up journalism. He said, you're not a journalist. Journalists fly commercial. Journalists stay in motels. Journalists make $50,000 a year. You are not a journalist. If you'd like to become one, keep doing what you're doing and I can make that happen. Wow. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I love, I love Kevin. And Kevin's a very successful guy. Uh, and Kevin and I always had some very lively discussions about my broadcasting. But when he said that, I went, okay, good talking to you, Kevin. <laughs> what are you going to say to that, right? I mean, that's, that's they, they pay the money. It's their team. And there's a message they want out. I think it's more about the tone of your message than it is anything else. The last yeah. time that the Sharks went to consecutive seven-game series, 
You might have been behind the bench. Any uh, stories you want to share from 25 years ago on uh, whether it was Detroit or Toronto? or, or No, I'm sorry. It was Calgary or Toronto? Uh, Toronto. Yeah, 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 Toronto. I was yeah, thinking of the following. Year. And then the next year, next year we went to Calgary. We went seven games, uh, double overtime. I, I'll tell you that I think I've told the story before, but I'll tell it anyway. We lose in Detroit. We lose. It was a 2-3-2 series. We're up three games to going to Detroit, and we lose six nothing in game six and we are bad we are horrible and kevin constantine and i we did the video and, and it was always in the, in, in, in the playoffs even keel don't change keep it routine because that's what players want and you don't get too high don't get too low so the next day i'm waiting for kevin waiting for kevin we always watch early in the morning but he was, wasn't around and he wasn't around wasn't around but eight o'clock at night maybe even a little bit earlier he phones me in the hotel no cell phones back then he phones me and goes Okay, you want to watch video? I said, where the hell have you been? He goes, oh, I went to the ball game. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I went to the Tigers game. It was a beautiful day, and, you know, it's in April, April in Detroit. And I went, are you freaking kidding me? He goes, come on, let's go. Let's watch. So we watch. And, and we would log everything. And Kevin had a computer system. And we would log everything in there. And as we're logging stuff, it's really negative stuff that he's logging. And I finally said to him, I said, what are you doing now? Why are you logging all the negative stuff? Because you don't do that in the playoffs. You keep it positive. Um, so Kevin said, at the end, Kevin got madder and madder watching video. And at the end, he goes, 8.30 tomorrow morning, put the word out, get a room downstairs. We're, so we're going to watch video before we go more. In case of no one out, Kevin, we're not doing this. And he goes, yeah, we're doing it. Get it freaking done. I said, Kevin, just calm down. We don't. He goes, get it done. Like, okay. Next morning, 8.30, or before we go to the morning scheme, we have a team down at the hotel, and they, Kevin, shows the video and it is negative it is bad how bad they played and they were terrible and he goes after the russians he goes after mac and he goes after igor goes after garthy and ozzy sansos and that's jeff no the most goes after him. we have the we do a morning skate and we had morning skate we did i think it was power play we showed the more power play and they were bad too it was more negative video and it was a horrible morning skate to the point where Igor Larionov left the ice early we came back to the hotel, the coaches, we came back to the hotel and when we went in for the team lunch, most of the players got up and left. They were so pissed off at us. <laughs> so I told my wife, Michelle, and I said, she was very frank. I said, oh, we're done. We're done. This is, Kevin's blown. It's the worst. I, I can't believe you would do this. It's just terrible. And I'm, I'm thinking we got no chance. Get to the rink. Kevin says to me, I need you, before he said in the afternoon, he said, I need you to get 20 pucks. And I need you to get 20 Sharpies and put them in everybody's stall. I said, okay. So they come in, the pucks are on their stalls, so are the Sharpies. Kevin gives, and this is very rare because this doesn't really happen in, in the NHL. Kevin gives what I consider the best pregame, well, it is the best pregame speech I've ever heard in my life. And he starts off with, in September, I told you, we were going to shock the world. I told you we weren't here to make friends. I told you we weren't going to be the sad sack sharks. I told you we are going to change everything about this organization and this team. And I told you we are going to shock the world. And tonight, when we win this game, and he kept using when we win this game through his speech, when we win, when we win, when we win. And the, the very end, the gist of it was, when we win this game and we're out there celebrating, there's somebody that's going to be 
as happy for you as you are for yourself and each other and your teammates. Because that person helped you along the way. That person was instrumental in helping you get here. That person is your biggest fan right now. And when you shock the world, when we shock the world, they're going to be the happiest for you. So I want you to take a Sharpie and I want you to sign that puck to them right now. And when he said that, like I'm standing at the back and I can, I can see everybody. When he said that, it was like, because it was, honestly, for me, goosebumps, you know, chills. Wow. If I had any hair, I would have been standing up at that time. It was such a powerful speech and the way he delivered it was amazing. And we went out and played what I consider the perfect first period. If everybody doesn't give away that puck on the power play, the Sharks, and I, I can't remember who scored for them, but if, you, if everybody doesn't give it away, we, we, we come out of that first period gangbusters. But we played pretty much a first perfect first period. We win the game. Everything's great. And we're waiting for the winner of Calgary-Vancouver. If Calgary wins, we're going to Calgary. If Vancouver wins, we're going to Toronto. So we're sitting on the plane waiting. And and um, some of the guys are in watching it at the FBO. And, and then I'm on the plane, and Igor Lariana catches my eye, and he motions me to come back and see him. And I said, uh, yeah. And he goes, okay. He says, here's my best Russian. He goes, you fucking tell that guy. He said, it's not going to work again. <laughs> uh, okay. I said, okay. So that line, they played. They were amazing that game. So I walked up to Kevin. I go, Kev. He goes, yeah. I said, Igor's got a message. And he goes, what is it? And I said, it's not going to fucking work again. <laughs> and and Kevin, Kevin smiles and goes, you go tell him I only needed it to work once. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best game seven. That's the best game seven. So if you have one, you get game seven with Calgary. But that is my favorite game seven story. You know what that shows, though? It shows, one, Kevin Constantine was a terrific leader. Terrific leader. He was bold. He was set in his ways, but he was bold. He, he took a chance, and, and he believed in his core. It was right. So he coached from the gut that game. And he made a bold move and then followed up with really a lot of inspiration and belief. The other thing it tells you is that those players were hardcore. They were resilient. They could take they could take a punch in the nose. They could take their coach being pissed off at them, and still focus on the right thing. They didn't sulk. They weren't babies about it. They went okay, and a little bit of you know what? Screw you! If you're gonna you're gonna come at me like that, watch this, and we'll show you kind of thing. That team was going to talk resilient. That team was hardcore, hard nose. We will stick it up your rear end because. That team was a bunch of throwaways, a bunch of castoffs. Guys, other teams had let them go, and they showed they were going to show the coaches. They were going to show each other. They were going to show the hockey world that hey, we belong here, and and that's what they did. So that was to me. It showed Kevin with really gutsy leadership, and it showed that team as a team that was, as I said, hard as steel and in willpower and and attitude. You catch Navi at practice, he uh, he thinks he's a forward now. He won't throw on the gloves. He's firing pucks at Cornish. He's, you know, won't even come close to putting the pads on. He's all forward. He played the damn puck when he was a goalie. Now he's all of a sudden he's playing the puck. Yeah, right. He's each other kid. I think he's playing in Vancouver. He's going to score again, right? <laughs> oh, you know that story, right? Okay. That's the one. You know, I love Randy Hill to death. Okay. 
Randy Hahn is the best, one of the best in the business. Absolutely. Okay. So that game in Vancouver, um, if you listen to that call, it's a historic call. First European goaltender to score on the power play. He's got, it's a lot of firsts, but one of them was that he scored on the power play. It was a power play for the, for the Sharks. Um, anyway, so as Nabby goes out to play it, I think my commentary is, and I jump Randy on the commentary. Um, I said, he's going, I, I say something like, he's going for it. And Randy says, he shoots it, and I jump on it before he even, I said, he's got it, he's got it. And Randy, to this day, every time that replay gets, gets played, well, not anymore, but when I was with him, when we played that replay, he would just turn and look, me, look at me with this <laughs> sad look of disappointment. <laughs> because that's a, that's, a, that's a goal that and any award-winning broadcaster like Randy Hahn will frame and it will be in the Sharks' vault for time immemorial. There will never be another moment like that for the San Jose Sharks. And your loudmouth color commentator <laughs> partner jumps all over your call going, he's got it. He's got it. <laughs> Randy still is. Randy's very rarely ever gotten mad at me ever in all the years. We've been together. He's always just been so great. But there's that. There's that. When that gets played, whatever got played, he and I were together. He would just turn and look at me with such sad disappointment in his eyes at what I screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to a broadcast. I was listening to a broadcast the other day, and it was a. Uh, he can't remember who was playing, but it was a three-one uh, game, and the color commentator goes, and I'm not going to tell you the color commentator. Was. The color commentator goes, well, the so and so team, they really want the next one because they don't want to go down by three again. Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks very much. That's great insight right there. Good, good work, Jack. Let it go, man. That'll be, be on top of the game, man. Well, that's why I can't be a national broadcaster because you yeah, come up with insight like that. <laughs> and we say we say dumbass things all the time, man. It, it is sometimes. You know what it is with broadcasters? It's we we feel like we have to fill time. Of course. Let's, we, we're so afraid of dead air. We're so afraid of letting the game breathe. I, I got to work with Bob Cole, the great Bob Cole from Hockey Night in Canada, and the man is a legend. I, I don't know, Dad, have I told you the story about shutting the hell up? No, no, go ahead. Okay, so so my one year at Hockey Night in Canada, so I leave the Sharks and go to Hockey Night in Canada. Um, and Bob Cole's, Bob Cole's a legend. Bob Cole's called all the big games. Bob Cole called the Philadelphia Flyers. He's their going home game, you know? Uh, he he's the best through Olympics. He, he's the best. Bob's fantastic. Broadcasting for fifty years, professional national hockey league, um, and I get to work with Bob in Vancouver, and I'm really nervous going into this. And Bob says, "Drew, he's my Bob Colboy imitation by the way. Drew, I know you have heard a lot about me, and uh, you know I like certain things I like. Uh, let me just give you one piece of advice, young man." Don't be afraid to shut the hell up. <laughs> and I went, I went, excuse me, Bob. He goes, you color commentators, you think as soon as we stop talking, I tell you guys, you think as soon as we stop talking, you've got to jump in. You don't. If you don't have anything smart to say, you don't have anything insightful to say, don't just jam in there with something. Just let the game breathe. Let the game breathe. Okay. And by the way, I got face-offs. I went, okay, Bob, you got it. That game, Bob tells me that, and in the third period, 
the, the, the producer talks to me, says to me, he said, well, we just wanted, he talk, hits the top guy, goes, Drew. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, we were just wondering if you're still there because we haven't heard much from you today. <laughs> and I started laughing. He goes, he goes, thank goodness you don't get paid by the word. And I said, what's Bob Cole? What do you want me to do? It's Bob Cool. But that's, that's, that's the best lesson I ever got in broadcasting. Oh. Don't be afraid to shut the hell up. Absolutely. And let the game breathe. Are you ready? I mean, you you might have you might have the trademark on this. You might have invented it, but are you ready for a quick quiz? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, if you can only pick one area of improvement for the Sharks to focus on, what would it be? Penalty killing. Penalty killing. They're second in the league. I know. Keep it there. Oh man. Keep it there, man. Penalty killing is a goalie. Oh man, Drew. Drew schooling me again. Hey, you know what? Nah, you know what? Changing that. I'm going. I'm changing that. Goaltending. We just talked about goaltending. All right. Uh, chances Carlson resigns in San Jose, and I don't mean Melker. Uh, 98.9%. Ooh. Uh, bigger weakest link right now, Martin Jones or the product of a subpar defense in front of him? Martin Jones. You I did playing the goal. <laughs> you did voiceover work for NHL 2K9 and 10. Do you still have those games, and if so, do you ever play them? Uh, never played them. My kids played them uh, once just to hear my voice, and they told me that, Dad, the other game's better, which I didn't know what the other game was. <laughs> um, last video game I played, I think, was Miss Pac-Man. Nice. More surprising, Vancouver starting hot or L.A.'s implosion? L.A.'s implosion. Shocked at that. But I shouldn't be. You know what? They're not, very, they're not very fast, and maybe that's the issue, but L.A.'s implosion. Yeah. Did you think Ilya Kovalchuk would have more of an impact? No. No, I honestly didn't. I thought that was a risky signing, and the KHL or the, the NHL is very different from the KHL. So no, I didn't think he, I didn't think he was going to be um, the big star coming back that he was when he left. All right. Tougher sob of a player, Chloe or Nolan? Oh, <laughs> oh! I stumped him, everybody. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh. Oh, Owen, but, but, oh, that's a hard one. Owen, but I recommend anybody go back and watch Ryan Clone. Ryan Clone opened the old Roman Polak door. Remember that story? Yes, yes. Well, and yeah. let's be honest, Sue, yeah. Owen Nolan has yet to get an assist from being on the other side of the bench. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a, it's a once, boy, that's a tough one. That's, that's a good one. Like, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with O. All right. Uh, better accent, Herbe or Nabby? Archers. Archers. All right. Uh, Joe Thornton. Recent- like Wall. Yes, like Wall. Uh, 